Late rally by the Edmonton Oilers, but it falls short, and the Montreal Canadiens get the win 4-3 tonight at Rogers Place. They did it again when it came to the physicality and the nastiness and the intensity. As a matter of fact, the sequel might have been better than the original on Monday <laughs> night. This was a bruising game with a little bit of controversy along the way mixed in, I think, which we will talk about tonight. But uh, 4-3 Montreal wins it, Rob, and full credit to them. They responded from what the Oilers were able to do them in the third on Monday. Yeah, and give them credit because they came out in, in game one of the two game series, they came out and were physical. And they were nasty and, and dirty, and they pushed the, the others around, and the others started pushing back in the second and third and, and absolutely dominated the last half of that hockey game. But the Canadians came out tonight, and what they did in the first period, they carried on in the second period, and then again in the third period. They didn't back off. They didn't uh, wilt until the others had their teeny little push there at the end where they almost came back and tied this hockey game. But the Canadians came with a game plan, and probably four and a half of the six periods of this two-game set, they played it to a T. And that's whoever's going to play the Montreal Canadiens in the first round of the playoffs, they are going to see physicality. They are going to see cross-checks. They are going to see uh, a team that makes you earn every single inch of ice. And that's what you saw tonight. There, every every player that touched the puck within seconds was run over. I mean, every check was finished. And it, the others did it too. The others pushed back. But that's how Montreal plays. They got a, a very strong top four. They got a good third pairing. Their goaltending was good tonight. And they just push you around. They just keep pushing, coming, coming, coming. And to me, it was entertaining. And it was. We saw two playoff hockey games the last two games. So the Canadians take it 4-3. Ryan Nugent-Hopkins returned after being out for a couple of weeks with an upper body injury, courtesy Mattress Superstore. Give them five minutes and they'll give you the best sleep of your life. Take the Sleepology body scan and take the guesswork out of buying a mattress. Here's the Nuge. Uh, I think a couple just kind of bounced a little bit too high, but if we, uh, we get those, I mean, uh, who knows? So uh, we're all over it. So obviously we don't want to take that long uh, uh, to put ourselves in that position uh, normally, but, I mean, we still fought back and... Uh, uh, one uh, one shot away there. Eric Van Dees, Post Media. Hey Ryan, these guys make you earn every you know every you know meter of ice uh, in this game. What's the key to not getting frustrated by that and, and just trying to fight through those checks and those sticks and and the little pulls and tugs and things like that? Well, I, I think you just said it. I mean, you got, you got to stick with it. Um, I thought the other night, just watching from the press box, I mean, the guys did a great job of that. Um, just fought through everything as, as the game went on tonight. I thought, uh, again, we, we kind of just stuck with it. And uh, they want to hold us up. They want to hook us a little bit. And, uh, um, I mean, it's, it's the way it's going to be. It's, it's tight-checking games right now. I mean, uh, um, every game is going to be like this down the stretch. And uh, we got to find a way to work through it. And uh, I thought we did, a, we did an okay job of that tonight. Um, obviously, you can get better but I thought the other night uh, just watching from upstairs I mean the guys did a great job so it's in here uh, we, we got no quit right now I mean we're relentless on them and um, we got to keep that up and there seems to be a genuine animosity with, with, with this team is that just a product of playing them eight nine times this year yeah I mean you, you play a team um, you play a team like you said eight nine times it's going to be uh there's going to be rivalries just pop up there's going to be uh um, hard fought games and uh, it's the way it is and uh we expect nothing less from uh, every game daniel ninja bowman the athletic 
Hi, Ryan. The, uh, the Canadians uh, only had four uh, penalties, or three penalties and a double minor. You guys only had four against you, too. But do you think that was the style of the game that was played, or was there is there something maybe you would like to see from yourselves as a group to, to try to draw a few more penalties? Um, I don't know. I mean, I, I think... Uh, I think we did end up uh, drawing a couple there at the end, and I mean, uh, all you can do is kind of skate through checks and um, and try and make them uh, take one on us. And um, as the game went on, we, we started to do that a little bit more, and uh, can't get too frustrated, can't get on the refs too much, and uh, just let the game play out. But I mean, obviously, when we get an opportunity opportunity on the power play, we got to be ready to capitalize. All right, that's Ryan Nugent Hopkins, who scores tonight as part of that Oilers' late rally. They were down 4-1. Nugent scored with 2-12 to go. And then the third goal of the game for Edmonton is Jesse Pugliarvi's on a deflection with 1-11 left. They actually had a couple of looks in the final 30 seconds, but couldn't tie it up. They did, and the Canadians had a couple chances to get the puck down the ice and they didn't and when you give the Oilers the, the Oilers were just it was like a train that kept on coming it was just a matter of if Allen was going to make enough saves unfortunately for the Montreal Canadiens he just made one save more than the Edmonton Oilers could afford all right let's go back into the zoom room here's head coach Dave Tippett Dave another gritty physical playoff style game did it just take you guys a little bit too long to, to get into it in that first period yeah, I, you know, we they were a desperate team. They came hard. We didn't, uh, I didn't think we were matching the intensity and, uh, and kind of the will behind them. And so they, uh, we got it to even, gave up one on a, off a neutral zone faceoff. Uh, they got the lead and then they kind of pushed it along from there. So it was a hard fought battle, but we came up a little short. Your team did battle back. It was a physical game. You know, the, the refs seemed to set the tone that they were going to let a lot of stuff go. And then, you know, the dry subtle penalty in the third period seemed to be a big momentum change. It, you know, an interference call on a, what a bang-bang body check. It on a, like on a, a body check. That an interference call on a guy that just passed the puck in a body check. That, that's, yeah. that's, it's, I don't know, it is what it is. I'm not going to comment on the referees. That was, that was, I'll just leave it at that. Derek Van Dees, Post Media. Hey, Dave. This is, how important are these games to play these games in the regular season when, it, when you have to fight through checks and you have to fight through every inch of ice? How important are they to get them now so when you do get in the playoffs, you're, you're familiar with, with what it's going to be like? Well, every game is competitive. I think it's been more competitive on a regular basis through the regular season than, than a normal year because you're playing teams in your own division. Playoff spots are so important. It's just, it's it's kind of been like a mini playoff series all year. So every game is competitive. I think you'll see that going down the stretch here. Like that team, Montreal, they're, they're trying to get themselves a playoff spot. We're trying to get ourselves a playoff spot. You're, you're gonna play hard. I mean, that's just, that's the way it is right now. So it's, uh, you gotta be willing to play that game to be successful. And uh, you know, the more games you play like that, you can get some success from it. You can uh, you can push your team along. Um, and I jumped in a little late, so I apologize if Jason asked this already. But is there an update on, on Zach Cassian? Not yet. He's going to have some tests uh, in the morning, and we'll we'll know more tomorrow. Thanks, Daniel. Need your moment, the athletic. Um, hi, Dave. Uh, two very similar styles of games. How would you compare your team's you know work and effort tonight uh, compared to two nights ago? Yeah, they're both tight games. I, I thought 
we probably weren't as good for bigger parts of the game tonight as we were the other night. But they're, uh, you know, they're hard-fought games. Hard-fought games. You got to fight for every bit of ice. You know, I thought we were. There was parts of this game I thought we were behind. We weren't making enough plays, winning enough battles that uh, would allow us to play in the offensive zone more. Uh, I'm sure you, you obviously you don't want to be behind like that late in the game, but how would you kind of uh, rate your team's resolve late and, and what that kind of means for, for a group going forward here? Well, you're chasing the game. You're just throwing everything yeah. in the net. We were able to get a couple of goals, so we made it close, but, but you know, that, you still lose the game. Jim Matheson, Post Media. Uh, Dave, did the game turn a bit Connor got the breakaway goal and it looked like you were going to get you know the usual momentum when Connor scores a goal and they came back to the next shift and scored the goal and you need to get chasing the game was that a, yeah, that was, a, a that was mistake or how was that uh, it was a it was a bit of coverage that we missed it was three on three and we just missed some coverage coming in and that's uh you know he made a he made a good play driving outside driving the net that's one you'd like to you'd like to uh, not give up for sure, especially after you just score. And you, um, you did play a couple of forwards. Is that because you know you just decided that you don't play for another four days and you're going to ride your big guns because you didn't play Cocoon much, you didn't play Shore much, you, you know you, some of your forwards didn't play much. Yeah, when you lose one guy to your lineup, it just kind of breaks the rhythm. So we, for the majority of it, we got down to three lines and just played three. Mark Spector, Sportsnet. Yeah, Dave, regardless of the fact that you know maybe you didn't like all your game, is your team better for having played these two games and the style that they were played? Do you you guys get something out of this week? Well, the games are, you know, you're, you're playing hard playoff-style games, so that's good for your team, you know, how you react, how you play in those games. You see, you find out about a lot about your players in those games, who can play who can battle at that level. And uh, so you find out a lot about your team. So you're probably right there. It's uh, it's good for your team. Thank you. Thank you. If there are more questions, this concludes tonight. Hey, that is Oilers head coach Dave Tippett after a 4-3 loss to the Montreal Canadiens. So Zach Cassian left the game three minutes in. He body-checked Shea Weber deep in the Montreal end and immediately looked uncomfortable, needed a little bit of assistance to get to the bench and then had to be helped down the tunnel to the Oilers' dressing room. Tippett also very careful commenting on the Leon Dreisaitl interference penalty with 12.25 <laughs> left in the third period. That, that was an awful call. That I mean, was that, a bad that, call. That was probably the worst call we've seen in an Oilers game this season, and I, and I understand why that frustrates people. I, I think the officiating tonight was uh, quite lenient both ways, <laughs> as it was quite lenient on Monday. Well, it, I mean, it, like we're talking, that was uh, those wrestling matches where they stick them all in a cage. And it was a cage match. It was a cage match. It was unbelievable that, what they allowed to was, go. That was a frustrating well, call. I mean, I try not to just. The reason it's frustrating on the refs, but is, I mean, that's a legal hit. The reason it was frustrating is because that was actually something that you're allowed to do. <laughs> because right. there's uh, so many other things that you're not allowed to do that they let go. So it's like, okay, wait a second. And that's why Leon was smiling afterwards. Like, okay, I have taken 15 cross checks tonight. I've given out about eight or 10 myself. And none of those things were called. And then I follow through and I check. The guy, the guy actually had the, like, he swung at the puck. He missed it. But he swung at it, so the puck was there. That was a great hit. I mean, the one before the the McDavid one, where he got trip, where Allen got a tripping penalty. Again, that was dumb. Like all the stuff you're letting go, those are the dumb penalties that you call. Now again, 
both teams at the end of the night uh, should have been penalized in a normal ref game five or six or ten or twelve more times. But this the refs right from the beginning and and Dave Tippett talking they they put their whistles away. They allowed them to do whatever they want. Now that is how it is refed more so in the playoffs. And the Montreal Canadiens, they benefit from that more than Edmonton does because the Edmonton power play is so good. Uh, Montreal power play, not as effective. So if they're going to say, okay, we're not going to have power plays tonight, that takes away one of the Edmonton Oilers' biggest weapons. Now, I'd, the Oilers were not the better team. Refs, no. good refs, bad refs, it does not matter. The Montreal Canadiens were the better team in this hockey game. But uh, a refereed game that doesn't call anything certainly does not benefit the Edmonton Oilers. Well, and you know what? And that's why I, I got to tell you something, Rob. My my view of officiating has actually changed as I've progressed through my broadcasting career. Because you get to you get to interview sometimes ex referees and, mm-hmm. and linesmen of all levels, and and get to know people like you who played the game and sometimes explain things that happen on the ice or conversations, or or sometimes like you have said, a referee might even say, "Look, I missed it. Yep. I didn't I didn't see it, or or I did see it and I brain cramped and yep. didn't put the whistle in my mouth." So you know, I think there's more to it than just saying the refs suck or they're all idiots or they're or they're or they're corrupt. But well, I don't, I, I don't, and I don't think any of those things. No, I don't, do I. No, that's, no, not, yeah, that's not what yeah, I'm saying. Yeah. Uh, I forgot where I was going with that. I felt like I had something brilliant it, to say. I, I probably it, didn't. It would have been brilliant if, if you if you remember but, but it. But that that's that's a blown call. I, I don't mind. It was a blown I don't call. mind pointing out. But I, this is what I was thinking. But in terms of okay, so the games are going to be ref like that in the playoffs. Yeah. We're pretty sure of that. That's why I don't mind. And, and, look, I was looking on Twitter throughout the game, and I see, uh, you know, there's a, there's a guy, and I don't know why I follow him, because he, he tweets stupid stuff almost all the time. His name's Grant McCagg or something like that. I don't even know who he is. Uh, but he, uh, he, he said, well, there's Connor McElbow at it again. And I'm like, okay, fair enough. If you're a Canadian supporter, that's what you're saying. Yep. And Oilers supporters are saying there's Corey Perry uh, you know, snapping his head back every time, like he's been. Though I do think McDavid did. Catch well, him it was the one time, the one in the second period where Chason shoved him in the chest, and Perry all of a sudden's uh, neck is almost flying off his his shoulders. But but here's the thing: if the Oilers have to learn how much you can get away with, and that's I, well, I think that's part of what veteran teams like you said yeah. about Weber. Well, okay, I'm just going to keep cross-checking till until it's the, till he calls me. And well, and, uh, yeah, exa- I, well, if they would have called a penalty on Weber, you know, late in the second period, and said, okay, that's cross-checking. Well, I got 16 licks in before I got my penalty. I'll take that. Uh, and if if I'm playing against the Edmonton Oilers, you have to slow down Connor and Leon. They are uh, the two best players in the world. And to slow them down, you'd be physical every chance you got on them. And now if the referees are okay, well, I'm not only am I allowed to be physical within the rules, okay, they're letting you know maybe a later hit today they're allowing me to do. Okay, now it's like, oh, the cross check. Okay, maybe I can extend a little bit more. Players are going to continue to do that. Now, having said that, Leon and Connor, they got their licks in and tonight that's what too. I'm yes. fine with it. If, yeah. if that they have to, I think that's the mentality yeah. you have to have. That you, I mean, look, I think you do have to lobby Oh, you do sometimes, but I think sometimes just say, "Okay, fine, that's legal." Yep. Okay. I'm well, that's what's legal fine. tonight. If, if they're daring you to call a penalty, I'm <laughs> I'm going to dare you to call a penalty as well. Well, it's true, and that's what we saw. The the problem is that when a ref puts his whistle away and allows the the line to get moved, and what a penalty is and what a penalty isn't, sometimes you get to the point where, okay, now it's dangerous. 
And I think this game was close to that. Right. Where all of a sudden, okay, that I mean, that guy just cross-checked him nine times. And I know that he's a big guy take, was whole, taking those hits, but, I mean, that that you, eventually you got to say, okay, enough is enough. And I think we were really close tonight. Now, as a fan, this is awesome to watch. And as a fan, I'm not the one that's getting absolutely abused. And I've been in games like that where the refs put their, their whistles away, and you're on the bench going, okay, please, God, someone call a penalty because I can't take any more of this. But to watch it is fun. But as a play, there's got to be a time where the ref says, okay, that's where my line is. And I don't know in tonight's game if that line was ever there. Obviously, it was an interference penalty on Leandro Dreisler. Okay, this is where I'm calling it. But, yeah, you just – there. there a playoff hockey is awesome, but you also it, there's got to be the allowance for the players to play hockey. Because tonight, I mean, there'd be four guys laying on the ice at any time in the offensive zone. And, I mean, the puck is over in the far right corner, and the guy that's covering the defenseman, he's laying down because he just got laid out. So the referees tonight... I think they may have allowed too much. Right. Fun to watch, but I think they allowed too much. Well, and I think that's where where fans get frustrated is that the, the inconsistency from game to game. Oh, but yeah. it's different referees. But that, it's different. It's different referees, yeah. and, and I think referees also realize sometimes. Okay, these two teams are going to go at it, so yep. I, maybe I'll let a little bit more go. But I think you make a good point about a safety. Yes. I mean, it's the referee's job to make sure the game is played fairly and. Safe. And safely. Yes, I agree. Tonight's was... I mean... Because if guys are thinking like, okay, I elbowed him in the chest, I elbowed him in the neck, I guess I, I can go I to the head. I just keep going a little yeah, bit just higher. just keep going a little bit All up. All right. So, yeah, it's, it, it, was, yeah it, it got a little bit... Uh, a little scary at some points tonight. Uh, again, fun to watch, not always fun to play. But from uh, you know a technical hockey aspect, as the Canadians went 4-3, they played well. They, the, the Oilers did not have uh, a lot of chances. They did not have a lot of room. No, they didn't. It, and it was one of those. And when the puck came through the neutral zone, it was clogged. And this is the most physical team that we've seen. Now, again, we only see seven teams, so I'm not sure how the rest of the league plays. But Montreal, like the, the Oilers play Winnipeg uh, the next two games. That might be like practically a no-hitter compared to this. They, the Winnipeg Jets used to be big and, and, and nasty. Me when they had Bufflin and Myers and, and the big defense. And they don't play that way as much now. They're they're a much more skilled team. And that's why I was so excited to see to see a, a Jet-Oiler first-round series because it could be 7-6 every night. Both teams have that much talent. Uh, but it'll be a completely different game when those two teams play each other in the next two because Winnipeg's not near as physical. And Edmonton would be the more physical of the two teams. Having said that, two of Edmonton's more physical players may not be playing in those games. We don't know if Kara and or Cassian will be back in time. Yeah, that's a good point. Kulikov might add yep. some of that mentality, and he's probably going to go on Monday. Canadians win this one 4-3 tonight. That's a $300 donation to 630 Chet Santos Anonymous from James H. Brown and Associates Serious Injury Lawyers. They're giving $100 every time the Oilers score the total for the season now up to 14400 You can get us at 780-496-0063. That is the CertainTeed hotline, CertainTeed professional-grade building materials. You're also going to hear from Caleb Jones. This is Heartland Ford, Overtime Open Line. Final at Rogers Place, Montreal 4, Edmonton 3. So here's how the scoring broke down. 
Lekkonen scored with 28.9 seconds left in the first period. Canadians vastly superior out of the gate. They outshot the Oilers 13-4 in the first period. In the second, McDavid got a breakaway goal. Jones sent him in all alone, but Anderson came back just 11 seconds later, so Montreal was up 2-1 after 2. Toffoli scored on the power play. Tough play by Josh Archibald put it right out in front of his own net. Smith knocked it right onto Toffoli's stick, and he buried it. Anderson scored again with 4.57 to go. The Oilers challenged for goalie interference. They were not successful, so they were shorthanded. But then Druin got a double minor for high-sticking Archibald, basically right off the center ice face-off. The Oilers eventually went on a power play. Nuge scored with Smith on the bench. McDave, or uh, Pugliarvi scored on a tip of a McDavid shot with Smith on the bench, but that was it. The Oilers couldn't tie it up. 4-3 is the final. I actually thought that that goal was going to come off the board. It was, uh, yeah, I agree. I, it was funny. There was two different plays where uh, Montreal Canadiens uh, affected Mike Smith. First, Tatar going behind the net got his feet caught up in the stick of Mike Smith and then uh, Anderson going across the crease. Now, the only thing that I could think is why it was called a goal and they didn't uh, disallow it was the stick was outside the blue crease when Anderson hit the stick. And the referee will say, well, it's, it's you know, that's fair ice. He's going. I can't tell his intent because you're staring at the skate. Did he try to kick it out of his hands, which is a penalty, or was he just going through an area and his foot got caught on it? I mean, his, the stick was outside the blue paint. That's my guess. Uh, I don't know. Do they put post something? Well, I've just, I've just, I went to the rule book online, and everything is about contacting the goalkeeper himself, actually touching the goalkeeper's body. I don't see anything about touching his stick, interfering with his equipment. I mean, it, it did make a difference on the goal, though. I mean, that stick popped out of his hand, and all of a sudden he was out of position. But, again, the stick was outside the blue crease. His foot came and knocked the stick out of his hand. I, is it incidental contact, or was it intent? Uh, I don't know if a referee can call intent. Had the stick been in the blue crease, then it would have been goalie interference. I think the fact that the stick was out when the contact happened is the reason that they allowed the goal to happen. And then, But then the game should have been over for the Montreal Canadiens, an absolutely dumb play by Druin, who I thought had... Uh, if the Montreal Canadiens, I thought as a team, were fantastic, I thought Druin was the weakness on their team tonight, and he allowed the Oilers a chance to come back in this hockey game. This texture says, what's the point of having a rule book if the refs are going to decide what's a penalty? Might as well throw the rule book in the bush. Uh, we hey. could do that. We could have a ceremony. <laughs> well, it's, uh, I, I agree. I, I, I do agree. Um, I always laugh when playoffs start that, okay, that, two weeks ago that was a two-hand slash, but now it's just a tap and they're letting it play. You're right. The the rules are there for a reason. They're called the, the NHL will say that they're interpreting the rules differently that they're staying within the guidelines of what the rules are but all you have to do is watch a game that's played in well the normal season in october then watch one in february then watch one in may right. and the games <laughs> will be ref three different ways 
Montreal wins it 4-3 tonight. Uh, Josh Anderson with two goals is the first star. Connor McDavid with three points. You know, is 77 points in 45 games. Still has an outside shot to get to 100 in a 56-game season. Shea Weber, the third star. Rob and I give out the fourth star for Mr. Mike's Steakhouse Casual. Order your game day meal for takeout or delivery. Check out the menu at mrmikes.ca. Well, he scored again. I'll give it to Puliarvi. He's up to 12 goals. Well, it, honestly, like, Allen's in the net. There's absolutely zero chance he can see past Billy Arvey when Pouliarvi, Like, he is a monster. I, I don't know if people realize how big Jesse Pouliarvi is. And when he stands in front of the net, and I give him credit, he's not a guy that, as the puck's coming in, where he moves out of the front and tries to hit the puck with his stick. He stands there, and if the puck hits him, the puck hits him, but he understands what his role is. And the goalie, has, he can't see anything. I mean, he's like uh, what, what Dustin Penner used to be like when he stood in front of the net. It was like an eclipse, all right? The goalie sees nothing. He, he won't see the sun until Penner leaves. Well, that's what Pugliarvi's like, and good on Pugliarvi. He's understanding where he needs to go. They don't need him passing the puck from behind the net. They don't need him up on the high boards. They need him in the goal-scoring area, and he went there, and he was rewarded. It's interesting, too, Rob, because you've always complained over the years about players who will be in a relatively good position on a screen and then they'll move out of the way and try to wave yep. at the puck but i've always thought if your screen is that good and you're right in front of the goalie if the puck hits you the goalie was going to stop it anyway it's true absolutely so, so why well, the move re- you why well. move uh fear really it's honestly fear you don't want to get hit and i realize it's easier said than done to no, hold your ground no you're right it's well to me the reason when well, milan lucic signed with the others i mean my guess is their plan was to him be the net front presence on the power play but when you watch milan lucic there he'd be in front of the goalie as the shot was coming in he would take a step back and he would try to tip the puck well that allowed the goalie to see everything and it just be, he was ineffective, and eventually he lost his spot on the first power play. Uh, Pugliarvi understands it. Chase on, very good at it. Ryan Smith, very good at it. Dustin Penner, very good at it. Guys that stand in front of the net, sometimes it hurts. Uh, and actually a great example, and he wasn't playing tonight, Gallagher for the Montreal Canadiens, who uh, doesn't have the size but has the willingness. He always stands in front of the net. Now, it does hurt to do it. And he's broken his hand a few times. And we saw it with, against the Oilers earlier this year. where That's why he's out right now. But it, it does hurt. It's, these guys shoot hard. And some guys get out of the way because they don't want to get hit. But if you want to be an effective net front presence on a power play, you got to be willing to stand and take that abuse and be willing to have a puck come at you 100 miles an hour. Bully RV is. The NHL did put this out. It was determined that the contact between Josh Anderson and Edmonton goalkeeper Mike Smith-Stick was incidental and occurred in the white ice and therefore did not constitute goaltender interference. It was a very quick decision. It was. Well, it, Which it, to me, usually when it's quicker, you think, oh, yeah, they're going to overturn it. But to me, it was it was obvious. I mean, that's what I, what I said a second ago. I mean, it was outside of the, the blue paint, and the referees have to make a decision. Did he do it on purpose or did he not? And it's kind of hard to, to know what intent is. He, it, there was no kicking motion where he kicked it out. He went through. So, I, yeah, it was probably the right call. Having said that, it did affect Mike Smith and uh, probably a big reason why the puck went in the net. Having said that, that Josh Anderson is a good hockey player. He had a good game. He's a very good hockey player. Seven eight zero four nine six zero zero six three is the Certainty Hotline. We have Eddie standing by. Hey, Eddie, thank you for calling. Go ahead. 
Hey guys, uh, I just want to say you guys do a great job, Rob. I don't know who you were until I started listening to the show, so <laughs> you're doing something right there, bud. <laughs> oh, thank you, I think. <laughs> <laughs> no offense. <laughs> I just had a question tonight about, like, uh, whenever there's a coach's challenge or anything like that, I know it goes all the way up to Toronto, but do like when who decides if it gets called back is it the guys up in toronto do the refs have any input i think it's they, the refs. they look at it on a monitor i believe the uh, ref the, makes the, the call the box i believe the ref makes the call yeah. they get they have people in there talking to them but the refs make the call yeah if you've oh. noticed that they get a they get an ipad yeah 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 <laughs> yeah because i was because <laughs> yeah i just i wasn't sure because i was like well i hope it's not the refs making calls because let's not kid ourselves the refs were they were pretty horrible tonight. <laughs> so, but yeah, um, that was my only question. Thanks for taking okay. my call, no, guys. Don't hang uh, up. We're going to do finish the play with you, okay? Oh, okay. So Great. you already have, just for playing, a $50 sawmill gift card. And here is the clue. On the right wing to Pugliarvi. Just in over the Montreal line to Dreisaitl. Now to McDavid in front of the net. Okay. That is a power play goal by the Oilers late in the game. Their second goal of the game, was it Nugent Hopkins or James Neal? It was Nugent Hopkins. On the right wing to Pugliarvi. Just in over the Montreal line to Dreisaitl. Now to McDavid. In front of the net, Nugent Hopkins scores! Nuge back in action, getting on the score sheet. And Eddie with his name going into the grand prize draw for a $1,000 gift certificate to Visions Electronics, courtesy PF Custom Countertops. Support local with a PF renovation. Get started at pfcustomcountertops.com. 780-496-0063. This texture says, Dreisaitl's goal scoring trending downwards over the last 10 games, showing in his play. Well, I have a feeling he'll score again. <laughs> I got no I got no beef with, with Leon Dreisel. I thought the physicality that both Leon and Connor brought in these last two games was was huge. I thought they, they pushed back and they're gonna have to if they play Montreal in the playoffs. Uh, Kurt says I guess the Oilers would rather have Lucic than Neal at this point. Any left wing UFAs with size and skill that the Oilers could acquire in the summer. I don't know if they would. Because it had gone so sour for Lucic here over the last season and a half, and yep. he's actually he's having a much better season yeah, in Calgary, and good for him. He much is better ha- season. He's having a good. Uh, would have he done that here? We'll never know. I don't know if he well if he would have played like that here, the Oilers wouldn't have got rid of him, but he didn't. So they got rid of him, and uh, good for him in Calgary, and good that he's he's having a resurgence in his career. Yeah, future left wingers for the Oilers. Well. Well, As we said, we could talk about Taylor Hall <laughs> as a free agent. We didn't think we could, we'd could we be getting him in a trade. That That's going to be a, a storyline. I think, uh, Kurt, yeah, I mean, uh, Ryan McLeod's going to get a shot here. He, he can play center, and Dylan Holloway is a center who could play left wing. Now, he probably goes to Bakersfield to start next season. We're looking way ahead, ahead here, but he's somebody who could help. But Taylor Hall, again, is going to be one of the top Uf, UFAs on the market, especially if he does well with Boston, and he's already got a couple goals. Yeah, he, and uh, there will be teams that are interested, but, I mean, he's a, it's not a great time to be an unrestricted free agent. The, the big contracts, I don't know if they're out there this summer with the way the flat... Uh, salary cap's going to be coming in for the next couple of years. 
Well, that's the thing. I, I, you know, we've we've talked about the the Tyson Berry style deal, where a player says, "Okay, I can't cash in. I'll take a year and bet on myself." And he's having a good he year. Did, yeah. But even him, is he going to cash in whether he stays or goes well, somewhere else? There's not going to be a lot out there. There isn't, and the number of teams that are able to bid on him for the number, the, the amount you want are going to be dwindling because teams are expecting, okay, we're going to have this many dollars in the offseason. Well, oh, no, they're not raising the salary cap, and it doesn't look like it's going up for a while. Huh. I guess now that went from 12 teams to four that are interested or from 15 to six or whatever it is. Uh, yeah, not a great time to be an unrestricted free agent. So It's interesting to see what Seattle's going to do because I would think, I would hope – the other GMs around the NHL have been able to sit back and see what George McPhee did. Because he made a lot of deals like, okay, I won't take this guy, but let's make a swap here. But some of those GMs were dumb. Like, seriously. Like, everyone said that Vegas had a huge advantage. Well, yes and no. I mean, they built a team, some of the draft picks. I mean, their best defenseman was Schmidt at the time, and he was the seventh defenseman in Vancouver, in Washington. So it's not like they were given, like, all-stars but some of the trades they made okay as you were about to say okay don't take this guy we'll give you these two well florida gave him marcia who scored 30 goals and, and to not take someone else i don't even know who the guy was i'm like you just gave away a 30 goal score like what's wrong with you william carlson columbus got rid of him how do you quit on that guy he's a guy that plays 200 feet like so to me, it's like some GMs like overvalued players that weren't that good and undervalued some of the players that Las Vegas got, and Vegas did their homework. That is the biggest thing. And I know Ronnie Francis. I got to play with him a couple times in my career. I, I think he will have success in Seattle, and I hope he does. I hope that hockey market takes off. They had a great market as a junior for, for junior hockey. I hope it takes off as an NHL franchise too. Uh, but I, I, I don't know if the NHL teams are going to do make as many of these side deals as they did with Vegas because it turned out really for Vegas and not for the other teams. All right, the Oilers are beaten tonight 4-3 by the Montreal Canadiens. So updating the North Division standings. Toronto on top, 61 points in 46 games. Then you have Winnipeg and Edmonton, who have both played 45. Winnipeg has a one-point edge, 57-56. Next two games for the Oilers are in Winnipeg Monday and Wednesday. Montreal kind of alone there in fourth. They have 49 points. They've played 44 games. So they are still seven back of the Oilers. They are eight ahead of Calgary, and they are 10 ahead of Vancouver. Now, Vancouver has five games in hand. But I mean, you gotta you gotta win all of them. But at least you know Vancouver's got uh, a little bit of hope. And Vancouver, I should say, Vancouver's points percentage is better than Calgary. So yes. technically, they're in fifth place, even though Calgary has a couple of more points and uh, Ottawa, uh, thirty six points in forty six games. They've got their points percentage up to three ninety one. So that's the update. It's still looking very much like the Oilers will finish second or third, and still most likely they wind up playing the. Winnipeg Jets in the first round. So the, at, at this point, at this, this point, is where it's headed. The only thing that could change is Winnipeg. How, how many games do they have left with Toronto? Three games? Winnipeg and Toronto still play each other this season. That's how Winnipeg could win the division because they're head, going head-to-head against the Toronto team that right now has got no goaltending. I watched the Vancouver games. Goaltend- the Maple Leafs sh- should have won both those games oh, going sure. away. The goaltending was bad. Campbell wasn't good. Riddich was awful. 
Like, he let two goals in that swear. I swear well, the one read. was going wide. Yeah, it wasn't even on net, and it went in. You could have stopped that one. Well, no, I couldn't have. You could have. Because I, just, you would have I, wouldn't, I wouldn't have moved. I wouldn't have been quick enough to move, and it just would have gone by me, and I would have been, oh, it went wide into the corner. I didn't even have to move. I could not believe that that one went in. And then the the, the Toronto Maple Leaf defenseman's like, okay, seriously? I just got a minus on that one? That wasn't even a shot on net. But, yeah, no, Toronto's got some issues right now. They better hope that Freddie Anderson comes back and he's healthy. Jason says, what do you think will happen with Miko Koskinen going into next season? Seeing what is happening with Smith... He's the number one. What is Miko's confidence? And if you were Holland, what would you be trying to do with him? That is a beauty of a question. Uh, Alex Stalock is under contract for next year. At a very nice price. But he could be claimed. True. Yep. Or do you protect or do you protect him and leave Koskinen unclaimed? And Smith because is a Smith's UFA under- anyway. I mean, the problem with that. I mean, now Koskinen's like, really? Well, see, that's yeah. like Koskinen is, as we've said oftentimes, and I think it's played out this season, he's a good backup. Very good backup. He's, if he plays every third or fourth game, he's actually been pretty good. Yeah, he's, well, since Mike Smith's come back, Koskinen's been excellent. So who's taking him? That's the problem. Nobody at $4.5 million. Yeah, and even Seattle is not going to be like, if no. he was, you know, $2 million, they might play. Like, okay, oh, absolutely, he's yeah. a good backup. Yeah, yeah, we'll take him. But, I mean, as we've seen, a goaltending is so huge for an expansion team. Yeah. I don't know if we're answering your question, Jason. <laughs> Actually, <laughs> what I, we're talking about. Honestly, I I don't know what the, I. Unless something completely falls apart with Mike Smith, they're gonna they're gonna re- re-sign Mike Smith. They will want him back. He's got a relationship with the coach. He wants to be here, and he's been all world this year for this team. Koskinen his contract. Uh, you could buy him out. They could buy him out. That's a possibility. I don't know. Or I don't maybe there could be, you know, there, you never know. There could be some sort of trade. I, I, I don't know. Someone's going to take a $4.5 million goalie to be a backup. I just don't know that. Uh, Jason, I, I think I think Koskinen's confidence is fine. He yeah. doesn't look like a... He's played um, well when he's played. Yeah. yeah. I mean, he doesn't look uh, like a mopey, uh, out-of-it goaltender. He's made the most of most of his starts since Smith has come back. And a player is usually quite honest with himself and with his situation. He's watching Mike Smith have a, a career year. He understands, okay, I mean, if Mike Smith was fumbling through this, I'd be a little upset, and why is this guy playing ahead of me? I mean, there's no question right now that Mike Smith deserves to play the bulk of the games the way he's playing. He's been excellent. And Koskinen would understand that and said, all right, I just got to be ready for my turn because every time I get a chance, how I play will affect when I get my next opportunity. All right, the Canadians take it tonight, 4-3 over the Edmonton Oilers. Whenever the Oilers score five or more in a game, we turn on the Japanese Village Goal Light on 630Ched.com. That is presented by Japanese Village Restaurants. Now offering takeout. Complete details at jvedmonton.ca. We'll get to Caleb Jones. We got time for your call. If you're up and you want to give us a ring, 780-496-0063. It's Heartland Ford Overtime Open Line. Two goals for Josh Anderson. Canadians beat the Oilers 4-3. Three more points for Connor McDavid. So the Oilers' record is now 27-16-2. The Canadians are 20-15-9. As we update the scoreboard for Advantage Trailer Rentals with daily, weekly, monthly, and rent-to-own options, head to AdvantageTrailerRentals.com. The Golden Knights clinch a playoff spot, 5-2 win over the Sharks. The Knights are 33-11-2. The Blackhawks beat the Predators 5-4 in overtime. 
and the Wild win on the road 4-1 against the Coyotes. Basketball tonight, Raptors win 114-103 over the Nets. The Blue Jays win on the road against Boston 6-3. CFL looking for an August 5th kickoff with a 14-game season. Grey Cup in Hamilton on December 12th. Going to be the latest Grey Cup ever. Now, they have not released a schedule. We should get that probably relatively soon and we know there are some things to to work out there is even uh, talking to Morley Scott earlier because things are different in different provinces and again August is a long way away they could have Ottawa and Montreal play each other in Calgary for example early in the season or or the East teams play. Okay, your first four games are all in Alberta, BC, and Saskatchewan, and then we see. Anyway. I'm guessing there's going to be multiple schedules made depending on what provinces are allowing in their province at that time. Yeah, we'll see. But I'm glad they've they've got it. I'm, o- I'm hoping the league starts. I really am hoping the league starts and they get an opportunity to play this year and we get to see a great cup game. Okay, Canadians win 4-3 over the Oilers. We have Mike on the Certainty Hotline. Hey, Mike, go ahead. Hey guys, how's it going? Good. Could you just turn your radio down a little bit? Sure. Thank Is you. That better? Much better. Uh, okay, so I have a question for you. Um, well, we have about 11 games left. Yes, sir. Okay. Uh, my suggestion is this is going back to the previous texture. Um, what about we bring Spalock up? bring uh, Koskin and down, try him out for a couple of games, try him out in the playoffs, and then make the decision after that. Be- well, mainly well, they're, because they're all three on the roster. They're, on the they're, roster. they're all three on the roster. But yeah. the problem is right now is Smith's going to play the majority of the games, and there's nothing in Koskinen's game that would have him move out of the the, the play of, uh, of him being one of the two goaltenders. So I, I don't. I, I said this when they picked up Staluk, and I'll say it again today. I don't think he plays unless there's an injury. I don't know. I think he could play if there's a game that isn't going to. I, I don't think impact so. the standings. I don't know. I think why? To me, it's why. Why would you? If you've got your starter, and you've got your backup, you want both of them ready for the playoffs. Why bring another goalie in? I mean, he's he's here as a safety net. That's all he is. Koskinen has been good. There's no reason right now to have someone auditioning for a part that's already taken. Yeah, I I understand what you're saying. And, and uh, yeah, I suppose it's like taking however, someone out. If Alex Daylock plays and has a 37 save shutout or allows four goals on 10 shots, does it change your opinion of him for next year? If you, you like, it's, it's one game. It, to yeah. me, it, it doesn't matter. Like Koskinen is Koskinen's played well as a backup. He's been very, very good. So to me, they've got their two goalies. Daylock's here in case someone gets hurt and. Uh, and it's needed. We see around the league all the different teams. Toronto's having trouble right now with injuries. We saw Montreal. They're, they miss Price. You have to have three quality goaltenders. He's there in case of injury, and that's the only reason. Uh, this texture says, what's with you guys? Koskinen's save percentage since Smith came back is 925. That's better than Smith's. Backup's numbers, I guess, eh? Yes, I think the key phrase in your text, sir or ma'am, is since Smith came back. Yeah, it's when he yeah, was starting. When he was, he w- it was when he was playing the majority of the time. That was the He's problem. a better goaltender, as you Reed said a little while ago. Uh, Koskinen is a better goaltender when he's playing every third or fourth game. He When he played every game, he wasn't as strong. Yeah, and full and credit to how he's played. He's oh, played he's, some excellent he's, games. That's, that's why, to me, Staluck isn't playing. Koskinen's your backup and has been a very good backup. Just looking at the schedule here. 
So Winnipeg Monday, Wednesday, and then Calgary next Thursday. So those will be split. Yeah, Goss going to play. Well. I'm just trying to think how many games Smith won't play. They have a back-to-back in Vancouver. And that's it. They only have two back-to-backs the rest of the way. Smith could still play nine of the final 11 games. And, well, and it'll probably the last game of the season or in the last two games will probably be dependent on where the Oilers are in the standings, if they need them or not, and if they right. want to rest Smith before the playoffs. I would imagine Smith's going to play both games against Winnipeg, but Goskin in against Calgary. That's my guess. But then again, I'm batting about Well, 100. they'll split the back-to-back. They'll split. That's I think I put your better goalie in against the team that you need to beat. That's Winnipeg Jets. Yeah. 780-496-0063 is how you can get us as uh, the Oilers have fallen 4-3 to the Montreal Canadiens. He had an assist tonight on Connor McDavid's breakaway goal. Here is Caleb Jones. Caleb, that's that's obviously a team that doesn't generally give up a lot five on five. Does it feel like it makes the margin for error pretty tight? You know, and you just can't give up a lot against them? Yeah, um, for sure. You know, that's... Now that's how the playoffs are going to be. The way they just played, you know, that's that's how every team's going to play in the playoffs. It's going to be tight games like that, and um, you know they're a desperate team right now. You know we're a desperate team, and it was a good hockey game, but uh, uh, they played well. I thought we we battled hard, and obviously the refs were kind of letting us play tonight, but um, it didn't go in our favor. And you know we still have some work to do in games like that. We got to learn to try to win those games. Seems like there was quite a bit of physical play these last two games in a row. How do you think that challenged your group, and, and how do you think you guys did with that? I actually thought we we handled it pretty well. You know, the first game, especially you know tonight, they uh, they came out real hard. I thought we we responded at times, but I think um, they kind of had to jump on us a little bit, and, and we got to start uh, the game a little more desperate and a little more physical. And um, I know myself, I've been trying to work on playing harder and finishing guys in the corners, and um, it was a good test for me tonight for sure, and, and for our whole group. Derek Vandes, Post Media. Caleb, this is what it's going to be like in the playoffs, or this is what we anticipate it's going to be like in the playoffs. How, how big are, are playing these games before the playoffs uh, for you guys, knowing that this is probably going to be as intense as it is in the playoffs? Uh, they're huge. You know, they didn't do anything that we didn't think they were going to do. You know, we knew they were c- going to come out hard. Obviously, they're um, they're kind of fighting for their lives, trying to, to stay in the playoff race. And... Um, you know, we're trying to obviously keep pushing up the, the division. So um, that's just kind of how it is. You know, we have some veterans in that room that we kind of had a conversation about how we're going to have to start playing here. You can't just turn it on in the playoffs. You kind of have to get in that playoff mindset, um, you know, with about 15 games left in the year. So we're, you know, every game we're trying to play the same way and bring that same intensity. They're fun to watch. Are they as fun to play when you're, when you're in that battle like that? Oh, uh, yeah, I enjoy it. You know, I, I love games like that. You know, I think when, when the games get real intense and physical like that, I think, um, you know, it brings the best out of a lot of players. And I know myself, you know, I, I really get into the game when, when it gets physical like that, so I like it. Daniel Ingram Bowman, The Athletic. Hi, Caleb. Uh, as has been, you know, discussed here, the game styles were pretty similar uh, last night to a couple nights ago. How would you compare your, your performance as a team uh, tonight compared to two nights ago? Um... I haven't thought I'd probably have to go back and watch a little bit. Uh, you know, they came out they came out hard the first night. I think we uh, we kind of got got a jump on them there in the first game. I think tonight they were a really desperate team, and I think we took a little too long to kind of really give a hard push back. And um, you know, obviously it ended up costing us in the end. We lose by one. So uh, you know, we just got to learn that we got to play a full sixty minutes with that intensity and that physicality. And and you know, and we will. We've we've made a lot of steps this year towards that, and we'll continue to make steps. 
Uh, they only had three calls against them. One was a double minor, uh, you know, mm-hmm. four uh, power plays for you guys, and, and same on, on the other side. But uh, did you do you find that um, there's something you guys could have done a little bit more to draw some more penalties? Or was it just a matter of kind of this was the game style and, and the way the game was called tonight? Uh, you could tell in the first, they weren't. They kind of put the whistles away. So, um, you know, the third period, they, they started calling a little more, which you know, I thought was kind of weird because the first two periods, they were, they were kind of just letting us play. But... Um, you know, it is what it is. You know, you can't control what happens with that stuff. You just got to keep playing through it. And, um, you know, I thought we did a good job of fighting through a lot of that stuff. And, you know, we'll continue to do that. Jim Matheson, Post Media. Uh, Caleb, you made a terrific pass to Connor for the goal to tie the game, but they came right back on the next shift. Was that kind of a, a turning point, too? You kind of looked like you had momentum in the next shift. Anderson came right back and scored the goal, and then you're fighting back again to try to get the... The, the tying goal. Yeah, yeah. You obviously don't want to give up a goal right when you get one. You know, we were gonna felt like we were about to start to make a push there, but you know, you know that's hockey. You know, that's gonna happen. You know, it'll probably happen again this year at some point. So you have to find a way to mentally stay sharp and keep pushing back no matter what happens in the game. All right, that's Caleb Jones of the Edmonton Oilers. They lose four three tonight to the Montreal Canadiens. Hartland Ford. Couple of goals by Josh Anderson. Montreal beating Edmonton 4-3 tonight at Rogers Place, along with Rob Brown. I'm Reed Wilkins. Thanks a lot for tuning in. Checking some other stats. Canadians out shooting the Oilers 31-25. Good night for Edmonton in the faceoff circle. 64%, led by Leon Dreisaitl, who took 30 faceoffs and won 19 of them. He's pretty good in the draw. Um, that's the one th- area that if Montreal plays in the playoffs is in down the middle they, they're young and experienced that's why they picked up stall put a little more experience on the in, in the dot area for big faceoffs at certain times but leon drysaddle would feast on a lot of those young kids when it gets into important situations there were how many faceoffs there were 53 faceoffs in the game he took 30 of them for the Oilers. They, they, they still need somebody. <laughs> they, they, that's another thing they'll have to address. Dreisaitl played 27 minutes. McDavid played 27-10. Nurse played 25-38. Nugent Hopkins played 26-31. So they were leaning on those guys tonight. Shots on goal leaders for the Oilers. It was Dreisaitl with four. Nugent McDavid with three each. Hits. Archibald credited with six. Larson credited with five. For the Canadians, Anderson, the two goals, five shots. Toffoli had a goal. He had five shots on goal. And uh, Ben Sherratt played 27-17 tonight. Wow, I didn't realize he played that much. Good. Yeah, he's good. The, the Canadians certainly missed him when he was out. Uh, he got into a fight, broke it was hand, I think, wasn't it? Or I think that's what he was out with. He missed a bunch of time. He's come back. And he gives them four solid defensemen. And that's why the Oilers have had some problems with them this year. They are a very good defensive team. The goal, te- or the goal scoring is what sets them back sometimes, but tonight they got just enough. He was also the hits leader for the Canadians with nine hits. Paul Byron was credited with seven. So just to look at some of the other stats. Uh, if you missed it, uh, Zach Cassian left the game very early, three minutes in. Uh, should get, well, the Oilers will look at him tomorrow. It didn't look good as he went off the ice, but we'll see exactly what happened. And Jujar Kara will... Uh, See what happens with him over the next few days. No practice tomorrow. Then they'll be back on the ice Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. And I think our adjustment of the game for Monday, Rob, for Alberta's chiropractors, if it hurts you a chiropractor, visit albertachiro.com slash hockey, will be the debut of Dmitry Kulikov on the blue line. Yeah, I'm looking forward to that. I, 
I think I think that the Oilers uh, have settled pretty well with their their five. I think uh, Jones and I know that Bob talked about Jones and Russell will be the two guys that uh, will be one of those two that comes out. I think it'll be Jones first. I think Russell will stay in. I think Dave Tippett likes experience, but they get another experienced defenseman. You 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 need a big barn of defensemen if you want to go on a long run in the playoffs. You've got to have guys that you can rely on because guys get beat up, they get banged up in a long playoff run, and the Oilers, I believe, got a little bit better picking him up, and as you and Bob have talked about all night long, there may be, in the next couple of games, a couple guys that are going to be changed to the lineup as we th Bob thinks McLeod will be in on Wednesday's game in Winnipeg, so kind of exciting to see the couple Oilers uh, new Oilers or guys that will be in the lineup new for the Oilers in the next few games? I'm looking forward to seeing him play. He's very fast. Mm -hmm. I, I mean, you got to get engaged. When I saw him in camps, he looked that way, but those are camps. He's, he's done it in the AHL, which I know doesn't guarantee success, but if you don't do it in the minors, they're not going to give you a chance mm -hmm. to, to do it in the NHL. So he's, it's going to be exciting to see him, him play, and, and like you said, with the forward situation, they, they need as many bodies that uh, they can get going right now. So the, the Canadians now play the Flames. And I mean a complete last chance for the Flames. If they get a they the Flames would have to sweep in the three games in regulation. Yeah, I well, I mean it, it anything's possible, but to me the four teams that are in the playoffs are in the playoffs, but the Calgary Flames got to have some belief. Um, at the same time, it, it's funny, the Vancouver Canucks, who also, have, I think they play the next four games against the Ottawa Senators, so they're hoping that the two teams that ch they're chasing are playing each other, and I guess they're hoping for Calgary to win a bunch of them, and then they got to start chasing Calgary. I don't know. To me, the playoff race is over, but in Calgary, there's a little bit of belief, and in Vancouver, there's a little bit of belief, but to me, we saw the Montreal Canadiens, who I believe are a team that are built for playoff hockey. Well, that's that's the interesting thing about them because they have their weaknesses, yep. as as every team does. There's, I mean, we're talking about Vegas already clinched. Well, they they have weaknesses, just not as many and not, not as not, big, not as many, and obviously not as not as big. I mean, you talked about the Leafs goaltending goaltending earlier, and I and I think you can get to their defense if you can get the puck out of your own end because yeah. they can really get after you. Um, so, yeah, that's what makes it. But Montreal is so interesting to me because they, they have such a weird-looking record. I mean, tw they, they have, they've only won one more game than Calgary, but they have the extra overtime loss. Because they're, the they're in every game they, because they're, they're a good defensive team. That, uh, that's, what I, that's why I say they're a playoff hockey team. They lose a lot of games in shootouts and in three-on-three. -three. Well, you don't play those. In, in the playoffs. So uh, how, many t how many times have they gone to, to overtime this year? It's like 12 times? 10, I think. 10 times. It's either 10 or 11. They, so, they, they, they lost the first nine. So there you go. So 10 or 11 times. Well, in playoff hockey, that's 10 or 11 times they've taken it to overtime. Now, when you get into overtime, this is a team that can be better. They'll, they'll, they'll go two overtimes, three overtimes, whatever it takes. So that's why I think they're a good playoff hockey club is they play playoff hockey style hockey it's it's physical it's mean it's nasty you're allowed to do a little bit more uh they've got well when price is healthy they got two quality goals i thought allen played very well in both his games that he stepped in for carry price here uh up front they're deep to the point where they've got some veteran guys on their fourth line and a parry and a, a stall guys that have been around a long time guys that know what it takes to win i thought 
Perry looked good in these games. Doesn't play a lot, but he's effective when he's on the ice. He drew a penalty tonight uh, on Connor McDavid with a glancing blow. Um, so I, I do like Montreal's team, and I think that whoever plays against them, you may beat them, but you're coming out banged and bruised. It's, you're not coming out of this game of a series with Montreal like, okay, we won, Let's. I feel fresh, let's go play the next series. I mean, the Oilers, just look at their dressing room right now. They got they got big, strong guys that are out of the lineup because of the physicality of this, this two-game set. Imagine seven games of this and then traveling back and forth to the East. All right, we're going to wind her down. Thanks a lot for tuning in tonight. Heartland Ford Overtime Open Line from the Friesen Brothers Broadcast Centre. 4-3, the Canadians take it. You can get more on globalnews.ca or 630chet.com. Our next game broadcast is Monday, 5.30 face-off show, 7 o'clock puck drop, Oilers at Winnipeg. Bob Stoffer has Oilers now from noon to 2 tomorrow. I will have inside sports from 6 to 8. Thanks to Troy Bowler, our game day engineer, and to Kellen Kennedy, our studio producer back at 630 Ched. On behalf of Rob Brown, I'm Reed Wilkins. Have a great night.